what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of taz knows um today we are going to be talking about something that i'm almost guaranteed that i've talked about it before um on an earlier podcast uh probably one of the first few because this this topic is is comes up a lot with uh, when I talk to friends, when I talk to family, when I talk to my students, fighters, people that are competing, um, all of that. It's and we're gonna go get right into it. It's just me today. Um, our schedule has been real, real packed uh, the past few weeks. So um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm real big on mindset, and I have. Uh, a mindset that some people think is, is kind of rough, um, a mindset that is based a lot on, on tough love. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go into kind of where all of that comes from or why I am the way that I am in certain aspects of it as well. Um, but I, I'm real big on mindset. I'm, I'm real big on ex- breaking down the word mindset for what it is. You're going to set your mind to do something. And you got to have the right mindset in order to accomplish anything. Um, we all know and we've all been that person that says that we want to do something and then we end up not doing it. Um, we say that we want something and then we don't take the steps required to do that. You know, and, it, and it's not that the words weren't right because maybe... The words we were saying are trying to convince those that we're telling that we're going to do it. Or maybe we're even just trying to convince ourselves that we want to do it. But the, the words aren't enough. And then you'll, you'll have people say, well, the, the action has to follow the words. That is very true as well. But I've had so many students over the past 10 years that I've been teaching that come in every day to the gym, but their minds aren't there. They're just going through the motions. They're not paying attention to class. They're not learning the techniques. They're not pushing themselves the way that they should be pushed if they have certain goals, physical goals, competition goals, whatever the case may be. So their bodies are there. Their bodies are moving. Their bodies are doing things. But their mind's not there to make those actions count for something more than just the physical action itself. Right? So... I've been in all of those situations myself, whether it be in school, whether I, I've said it so many times on this podcast, I, I wasn't much of a, of a school guy. You know, I would show up to class, but my mind would always be elsewhere. My mind would be in training. My mind would be, what do I ha- want to have for lunch after this? What am I doing after this? Who's available? Who can I hang out with after this? Who's got the next hour free? You know, it, things like that. I was physically there in school. I just... I didn't want to do it. My mind wasn't there. Um, those of you that also have been listening for a while, you know, this, this, this episode is kind of, kind of to, to recap things that I've said in the past for either new listeners or to give reminders to people that maybe have been listening from the beginning and haven't talked specifically about these things in a while. So this is a reminder for everybody as well. You know, I, I did come from a wrestling background. Um, I wrestled in high school. And my high school told us when we got there that we had to 
participate in an extracurricular activity. I was never a sports guy either. You know, growing up as a kid, I, I sat on the couch all day. I watched TV, played video games, you know, and, and, and that was that. And so I never really got into to sports or athletics like that. So when my high school told me, you need to participate in extracurricular activities, I tried the, the social groups. Not much of a social person. I, I, I didn't see the point of it. I, I was a very shy guy as well. I was low in confidence, so I, I didn't like talking to a lot of people. So those things kind of went out the window. Um, the summer prior to my freshman year of high school, my cousin and I would would go out every Friday and we'd try to get me into different sports and nothing really stuck. I kind of liked basketball. I, I found ways to get the ball into the basket. So I was like, all right, this, this might work, you know. And so I went out for the basketball team and obviously that did not work. Out of a two-day tryout, tryout, I got cut on the first day of tryouts. Um, from there, it was almost a no-brainer when it came to extracurricular activities versus a, okay, I got no other choice at this point, um, and that was wrestling. Wrestling was a no-cut sport, so they didn't cut you no matter how bad you were, no matter how out of shape you were, and at 108 pounds that I was my freshman year of high school, I was nowhere in shape for athletics. Like I said, coming off the couch for all those years, there, there, there wasn't much of a a physical presence to me, you know, but I grew up a WWE fan. So I thought wrestling would kind of make sense, you know, and I would show up to practice. You know, I, I did the first day of practice. I was just talking with Coach Kress about it the other day is he said no one ever forgets their first day of wrestling practice. And for me, it was it was one of those days where we got through the warm up and I thought that was the whole workout because of how tired I was at the end. So when we finished the warm-up and the workout actually began, then I was like, all right, this is, this is going to be rough. You know, but I felt like I had no other choice. You know, the, the social groups didn't work for me. There was no other sports that would take me. So I was like, I, I got to find a way to make this work. So I, I, I would just show up to practice. I'd get my butt kick in practice all the time. You know, a few weeks after the first day of practice was time for my first match. And I lost my first match in 10 seconds because I just, I hated the idea of wearing the singlet that we were required to wear, you know, and, and that process kind of kept happening for a while until I realized that I was the last wrestler on the freshman team that hadn't picked up a win in a wrestling match. So I didn't want that to be the case. So I kind of set my mind. I was like, all right, I'm going to put in more of an effort. I'm not going to go out there and just, you know, go through the motions until someone beats me. I'm, I'm putting it in my mind right now that I'm not going to be the only wrestler on this team that doesn't win a match. And I think it might have been um, maybe six weeks to two months after the first day of practice that I finally picked up my first win. And it was one of those moments where, and I wish so much that I had all the footage for this. And I really wish that when I did have the footage, I at least watched it back. Because there's, out of all the wrestling matches I had in high school, I only watched one of them back. And that's because someone put it on YouTube. And luckily it was was a decent match because it was one of my only matches that went all three periods. But the one that I won 
is ingrained in my head forever because I put in more effort than I ever did in that match. Um, in the first period, I don't remember too much details of how we ended up on the ground, but we ended up on the ground, me and my opponent. And I ended up shooting a half Nelson. And I got very close to pinning the kid in, in the first period. Time expired. You know, and then we started off in the, the referee's position for the second period. Uh, that one, I believe, I won the coin toss. Coach Crest told me, pick the top. Uh, so I got on top, broke the kid down, shot in another half Nelson. And Coach Crest is screaming from the top of his lungs to put my hips down. Because I had the kid on his back, and I just had to get my hips low to put that pressure on him so I can pin him. And... Again, I didn't watch it back, but in my mind, it felt like I was holding this kid down for an eternity, which might have ended up just being five seconds that it took me to, to actually hear what Coach Crest was telling me to do to get my hips low. Because in my mind, I was like, I don't know where he wants me to put my hips. My hips are already pretty low, you know, but it, he kept yelling at, it, yelling at me to do so. So I was like, all right, clearly I'm not low enough. So I, I worked on trying to get my hips even lower and I got the pin. You know, and I went down the, the line of my where my team was sitting, high fives, they were all happy. And when I got to Coach Crest, it wasn't a a big celebration when I got to Coach Crest. He just looked at me, he said, When I say hips down, I mean these, and he's pointing at my, my hip bones, to the floor, he told me. And I was like, ah. Okay, I got it, coach. He's like, all right, good job. And that was it. And that's how my coach responded to my first win. You know, because that's what we were supposed to do. We weren't supposed to go out there trying to lose. We weren't supposed to go out there wanting to lose. We're not supposed to go out there just trying not to lose as opposed to trying to win. We were supposed to go out there and put our efforts to win. So when we, when I finally did that, I did what my coaches had been wanting me to do since the first day of practice. You know, so why does that, why should me finally listening to my coach be a need to celebrate or for him to, to be over the top with, with joy or happiness that I finally listened because it's on me to do those things. You know, so that's kind of where my, my tough love when it comes to the the sports world kind of started, you know, and that was a boost for me, but not enough to not enough to really follow through with it anymore, um, because that was my only win of the season. The next it was towards the end of the season anyway. I only had a few more matches after that. And the match that ended up on YouTube was one that, like I said, it was, it was the only match that I had that went all three periods. And I believe, if I remember the score, I was only down by two points when I lost. Um, and that match, even to the point where I don't... When, when the final buzzer rang and the match was over, I had no idea which one of us won. Because it was that much of a back-and-forth match. At the end of the second period, I almost, I almost pinned him. So I didn't know how many points I got for that. If they gave me near fall points, what was going on? I wasn't looking at the scoreboard. I wasn't looking at the time because I knew I had one more period. And at that, for that match in particular, 
um, my my freshman coaches were occupied. This was was the big. I went to a, a Catholic school, so at the end of the the season, there's this big um, tournament, uh, the the Chicago Catholic leagues. Um, I don't know if all the the Catholic schools or a big chunk of the Catholic schools come together for one last big tournament, and my my regular freshman coaches were were occupied with other wrestlers. So there was no one in my chair at the start of the match until the varsity coach, who I didn't necessarily get along with. I had an issue with him um, a few weeks prior to that because of a misunderstanding and my shyness not giving me the ability to speak up to tell him what the situation actually was. Either way, him and I weren't getting along at the time. Um, you know, But he saw me without anybody in my chair, so he came over to coach me. And it was that match that I earned his respect back because after the match was over, he put his arm around me (laughs) and this also comes with a bit of an embarrassing story. He put his arm around me. He told me, good job. If we get an opportunity to finish someone, to pin someone, we got to take it because I almost had him in the second. Now go wipe the booger off your nose and come back and talk to me. Um, I don't remember the conversation that was held after I wiped the booger off. But he shook my hand, um, and then the next, that was a Saturday, the next Monday, I showed up back to the wrestling room to turn over my singlet, and he, it was him that, he grabbed my singlet and he told me the season's only over if you want it to be over. And kind of implying that I could keep working, and I could keep coming to the room and, and learning to get better. I didn't take that opportunity at the time, but I did take the opportunity during the off season to because I knew I was going to come back to work out more and be a little bit more serious on my my workouts you know so when I finished my freshman season I was 105 pounds by the time I came back for sophomore season I was at 111 pounds so I managed to pack on six pounds during the off season you know, and I came back that season and, and things worked out a little bit better for me um, on the junior varsity team. And they ended up moving me to varsity because they needed someone at my weight class on the varsity team. You know, and I, I won more matches that season, you know, and that might have. And, and this is me speaking from hindsight being 2020. Because I think what, what brought me back this sophomore season was how bad I did my freshman season. And because I did better my sophomore season, by the end of the season, I decided this is going to be my last season wrestling. You know, so I finished out the season and then I didn't come back for my junior year. I almost came back my senior year because by that time I had started watching MMA, started getting the itch back. But I chose not to, and that's a whole different story that I've talked about in the past as well. But the point of all of that was the beginning of me understanding how powerful the mind can be. Because if I didn't put my mind into winning that first match, I wouldn't have done so. If I didn't put it in my mind that I was disappointed in the outcome of the season, my first, my first season, that I wanted to come back and prove that I wasn't that guy. I came back, did better, and then left. And in my mind, I didn't 
quit because I finished the season. I just chose I chose not to come back for my junior and senior season. But fast forward 12 years later, and I show up to one of Coach Cress's seminars, and him and I hadn't spoken to each other or seen each other since since my last day of wrestling practice. Um, so 12 years, he kept coaching, he kept teaching, comes across a lot of faces. Uh, 12 years later, he didn't exactly remember my face until I got close uh, up close to him in one of his classes because he was going to use me to demonstrate, and I was wearing my Loyola Wrestling pants, and he looked at me, he's like, I'm supposed to remember you. I was like, I'm uh, wasn't really expecting you to. That's why I wore the pants. And then he asked me for a year that I would have wrestled for him. And I told him 2006. And he went, he finished the seminar, he came back. He's like, Sean Lau, you're the guy that quit. And that tore me up. Because in my mind for 12 years, I didn't quit wrestling. I just didn't come back. But... As my coach, he's seen so many people come and go, and he knew what I was capable of doing um, or what wrestlers in general were, and it's not a good turnover rate. So, yeah, in his eyes, I was the quitter, you know, and, and that even though I was not his student anymore, I was not his wrestler anymore, I, I vowed to show him what I can do in MMA, and, and I'm so blessed that he's been part of this journey again with me and has worked with me and has trained me again since reconnecting with him and and having the opportunity to talk to him on the podcast and to talk to him and just still have him in my corner means everything to me and, and to hear the the words that he's spoken of me on social media on the podcast in person it's just it makes me proud to go from a person that couldn't win a match to him in his eyes and to me quitting to now me being in the position that I am today. And that's because I did not want to be known as a quitter. I did not want to be known as the guy that couldn't win. So that altered the way that I, I saw things and, and I, I put my mind into everything that I started doing because I saw how powerful it was. Uh, I, do, I do DDP yoga at least once a week, I'm trying to get better at it because my body needs it. But at the end of every workout, DDP says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And that's the power that your mindset has. To put fuel behind the words, to put fuel behind the actions, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. You have to put your mind to it. And you got to put the appropriate actions behind it with the right intentions. And, and again, this is for anybody that's planning on competing or planning on competing again, whether it's a grappling co competition or it's an MMA fight. And you want to know why I am the way that I am, why I say things, the things that I say, or even the expectations that maybe sometimes I'm not very clear with, where... I came from in that realm of wrestling and in my beginning years in MMA. Unless you were dying, you showed up to practice. One of my first, um, within the first few weeks of my freshman season of wrestling, the wrestler at 103 pounds broke his arm. And 
he was still expected to show up to practice. Not necessarily to practice, because obviously he's not going to wrestle with a broken arm. But you can still learn. You can still watch what's going on, and you can still help people. Because he was a very good wrestler. A lot better than me. I, I was not a very good replacement for him, because they ended up asking me to drop down to 103 pounds uh, to take his spot, because there was already someone at 112. So... I heard and I witnessed the coaches being upset with him when he wasn't showing up for practice. He wasn't going to work. He came to the first day, but then that was it. But they expected him, if he wanted to keep learning and growing as a wrestler, he was going to keep showing up to practice. And at least do what he can. Whether that be running on the bike, you know, footwork stuff, or just watching and helping. That was expected. And that kind of carried through with my, when I started MMA, it was kind of the same concept where if you were sore, if something was bothering you, you still showed up, you took your notes, you watched, you helped where you could, you did footwork. If you're, you're something wrong with your upper body, if there was something wrong with your lower body, you were stationary drills, hitting the bag or something, but you were working on something. You were work, looking over your notes, you were asking questions, you were answering questions, but you were working on becoming a better martial artist. And, and that's kind of where, I don't think I say it enough. So for my students that are listening, take note. These are the things that I kind of expect from people because this, that's the way that I was brought up without not anybody necessarily having to tell me. Because once MMA became such a big part of my life, that was it. You know, I missed out on a lot of family events, a lot of uh, gatherings with friends, you know, goals changed. I, I wanted to be a pro wrestler and that all changed because I started putting all my focus into, into MMA, you know, and even when I went from wanting to be a fighter to just, you know what, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Those, all those things started changing and there was less of a rush to do things because I got my entire life ahead of me to do these things. You know, and, and this was in the mind of someone that was 22 at the time, you know, and time does go by quickly because it feels just like yesterday that I came out of my, my first fight and my coach told me, we're going to bulk you up and we're going to do this again and we're going to do it better and you're going to get better. And I blinked my eyes three times and 10 years have gone by, you know, but I didn't need fights to want to get better. I know where I performed in wrestling. I know where I performed for my first fight. And I'm not happy with my performances. And I, I, in my eyes, I was putting in the physical work behind it. But I wasn't, I didn't have my mind right for those situations. For those, for the, the wrestling matches or for the fight. And I've been working at it for the past 17 years since my last wrestling match, to make sure that I had the right mindset on things, that everything that I do has a purpose, that everything that I do has the intention of me becoming a better martial artist, because at the end of the day, no one's fight career lasts forever. Everyone's going to have their last fight. Everyone's going to have their last grappling competition. Everybody's going to have their last physical competition. What happens after that? Are you going to stop training? Because... You know, I've been doing this for a minute now and I've, I've seen a lot of my students, a lot of my training partners that just don't train anymore. And I don't want to be like that. 
I made a promise to myself once I saw how much training has helped me in every aspect of my life. I knew right then that I couldn't stop this. I have to keep going. And which is why I also say that I need more DDP days because, you know, doing this for as long as I have and I'm still wanting to do this longer, I have to take care of my body. I was just talking with Zach about this on Saturday that he understood that longevity was his goal as well. So he had to make sacrifices for certain things. And for him, one of the sacrifices was also competition. You know, and he's just now, after 10 years of training, he had his first competition and he did really well because he took his time to get his body right, to get his mind right, to be physically, emotionally, and mentally ready to compete. You know, and I get it. Some people start later than others, you know, but we also have plenty of examples where it's possible. You know, Dan Severn was in 36 when he made his UFC debut. My MMA coach was, I think, also 36 when he had his first amateur MMA fight. My wrestling coach, Coach Crest, had his last um, amateur wrestling competition at 55. You know, so these things are possible. But you need to do what's right for you. We need to do what's right for ourselves to be able to accomplish those goals. I can't expect to do this even for another 10 more years if I'm not taking care of my body the way that I'm supposed to. Now, there's there's a balance to all that because I've also overdone it in the past as well. You know, so listening to your body and being honest with yourself with what your goals are and what is going on so you can take the appropriate steps to fix them. I've talked endlessly about burnouts and me having to recognize the difference between a physical burnout and a mental burnout. Because the mental burnouts... I can, I can work through the physical burnouts. I need to take a step back from my workouts and from my physical training. But that doesn't mean I'm not doing anything. That just means maybe I'm taking a yoga day instead of a lifting day. That I'm doing more, more coaching and teaching than hitting pads and sparring. You know, things like that. I am finally starting to be honest with myself with what I can and cannot do when and where. My recommendation to anybody that's listening that wants longevity in this, I, I saw another quote, I forgot where, but it said, be weary of the old guy amongst young people and a young people's sport. And I, that, that spoke wonders to me because it's the old guy found a way to make it last when all the other people aged out of it. You know, Coach Crest is one of my biggest inspirations um, as a coach and as an athlete because that he turned 70 years old this year and he's still doing his thing and he looks great. It's possible, but he does what is necessary. He takes the breaks that he needs um, and he works out the way that he needs to work out to be able to do that at 70 years old and to teach and coach at 70 years old. You know, so there's there's nothing that we cannot do or accomplish. We just need to make sure that our minds are set in the right places. Be honest with what's not good for us, whether it's a certain vice, a certain hobby, certain people. Once we realize that those things or those people might not be the best to help us succeed in our goals, we need to potentially make some hard decisions.
you know, whether it's a permanent decision or just one where you can set your mind strong enough where those things don't affect your goals or affect the the work that you put in to get to your goals, right? But a little bit of selfishness is necessary to hit those goals, but it's got to be appropriate selfishness as well. I can't help other people if I am not okay myself, which is why I prioritized my mental health and doing the things that I need to do if I truly want to be able to help other people. And that's always been something that's kind of tough for me. Um, Saying those kinds of things to the people that need to hear them have always kind of been tough. Um, But I'm getting used to it. And I'm, I'm seeing where the people that legitimately want to change will not look at me and think when I say things like that, that I'm just being a mean guy. And they understand it. I've, I, I kind of always had this fear of speaking my mind in fear of, you know, a student canceling their membership or, you know, cancel culture, things like that. All of that kind of started changing a year ago when there was an, an instance at the gym where one of the students was not necessarily doing what was being asked. And we got into it in a little bit of a a verbal back and forth um, to the point where I said some things. And when I told my dad what I had said, he he asked, he told me, he's like, you didn't actually say that to your student, did you? I was like, yes, dad, I did. (laughs) And he's like, well, don't expect that student to come back. I was like, yeah, I kind of figured. Not only did that student come back, that student started supporting the gym and the events that we did. Um, started supporting the events of my coaches and became a better training partner and just an overall better, better person to be around. He, he kind of started building a reputation where people didn't want to work with him and now people work with him. Now, you know, we all sit, talk, laugh together. I've used him to demonstrate stuff now. He's changed a lot since that conversation where my dad said that probably shouldn't have said some of those things, but it needed to be said for me because that's how I felt. And clearly, maybe no one's ever said those things to him because even at the end of that conversation, he told me, he's like, sounds like I have to have a big sit down talk with myself. And I told him, you do what you need to do, you know, and. He actually did, and he put actions behind it. He changed his mindset towards things, and the relationship between him and I have grown. My ability to coach him has gotten better, um, and he has helped a lot of people. He's relatively new in his journey, but he pushes people, and he, he tries to make sure that people are are doing the right things, and he's asking. He's He's become the leader of the questions and he asks some really good questions in class and that helps me be a better instructor and a better teacher because it shows me where I need to go more in detail with my explanations or demonstrations you know so that really helped me start seeing how sometimes tough love is needed and sometimes people need to hear things that are difficult to hear and I need to say things that are sometimes difficult to say But with all of it was 
with the right intention. I, I wasn't saying it to try to be mean. I was saying it to truly try to help him see things from a different perspective and for him to make the decisions that he needed to make that were best for him. You know, and I think those things happen and it's happened before. Um, I've said it so many times before. Leo and I didn't have a good relationship when he first started training. Um, I wasn't too too high on Leo when he first started. But all of that changed through hard work and through communication. And I am I could not be more happy and proud that to have Leo as one of the leaders of the team. And if you would have told me that eight years ago, nine years ago, that I would ever say those words, I would have thought you were insane. But I truly have so much respect and love um, for what Leo has done in and out of the cage, in, in and out of the gym. You know, so things like that can happen. But the communication needs to be there. The honesty with other people and more importantly with yourself needs to be there. But just the right mindset has to be there in everything that you do or you choose to do or everything that you want to do. Um, and I think I think that's about it. You know, if this, this topic may con- continue into next week um, when Nene comes back and she kind of hears this and she can ask questions. You guys are always more than welcome to ask questions or if something stuck out or if I missed something because I was, feel like I get all over the place when I'm doing these, these by myself. Um, you guys are always more than welcome to, to ask questions. You know, I'm on all major social media platforms at Taz, MMA underscore fitness, YouTube at Taz knows. Um, Nene's on Instagram at Nene underscore MMA underscore CMM. Subscribe to her YouTube and Patreon at Nene MMA, you know, and, and ask these questions and start these conversations with, with us or with, with the people that are closest to you. If you have a, a, a certain training partner that you see needs some help, reach out to have these conversations with them. Ask them certain questions. Ask them these questions and, and just see where their, their minds are, you know. But if you're going to do that, make sure that your mindset's where it needs to be first. Um... But in, until then, you know, you guys have a great week. Um, follow us, train hard, train smart, and we'll catch you guys all back next week.